talk to you about what does your heart look like? This is a Bible preaching church. We believe the Bible is the, are the very words of God. I didn't say phrases. I didn't say thoughts. Uh, I didn't say dynamic equivalents. I mean the very words of God. We believe in the verbal plenary, the very word inspiration of Scripture. That sets us apart from a vast group of people who call themselves Christians, and, they, and many may be Christian, but obedient they're not. And so today I want to bring out a little bit of the reasons we care about these words. The words of this book are precious words. So many songs have been written about the Word of God. What does your heart look like? Saul, I want to talk about the King Saul. Our text there, you may want to turn First Samuel chapter 16. Verse 6 through 12. We will not get to that passage for a while. I'm going to do a little bit of an introduction here, bring it to because not, not many people are familiar uh, with this part of the Bible. I want to make you familiar with it if you're not. There was a man, uh, children of Israel, had a, what, they, what the, we call a theocracy. In other words, a nation that was ruled as their king was God. And the priests, God would talk to the priests. Hood, and the priests then would relate to the people the law. That happened through Moses, most of you know. Moses went 40 days, 40 nights with God. He gave him law. He said, this is who I am. This is what I expect of my people. I will be their God, and they will be my people. I don't think you could get a better government than God, a better leader than God. Well, for, they, he led them for quite a while, but they just, they just didn't want to get on board. They kept looking around these other nations who had had human kings. And they said, well, man, we want to, and this is where any Christian anytime gets this idea, this is where the downfall is. We want to be like all these other nations. In essence, what that is saying is we want to be like the world. And Christians today fight that same battle. We fight the same battle, people of God, as they did. They wanted to be like the world. And God says, I'm not of the world. I'm not even, I, nothing the world has is who I am. And, and so they really rejected God as being their king. Well, there was a prophet during their day named Samuel. Now, Samuel was a sweet man. Oh, they say maybe it's been said in theology circles that maybe Samuel was the, the best priest that ever lived. Samuel was a young man and had a heart for God, and he stayed with it his whole life. Samuel was chosen of God to be the high priest in the place of a man called Eli. Uh, Samuel was an honest man. He was a, a man whose whole heart was for God. He was wholehearted. He was all over it. And so 
Uh, when it came to the people, in fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, don't turn there, I'll read it for you, chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. Uh, he, towards the end of his life, Samuel said to the people, Behold, here am I, or here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, whose ass have I taken, whom have I defrauded, whom have I oppressed, or whose hand have I received any bribe uh, to blind the eyes wherewith, and I will restore it. And the people said to him, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand, that was about as good a testimony as you're going to have as a leader. Samuel loved Israel and helped them to know God. In Samuel 12, 23, it says, uh, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. By the way, that's my prayer for you also. And I do pray for you. And my job, and of course, and my call is to teach you the right way, the, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. He says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. There's that heart thing again. For consider how great things he had done for you. Now, son, last Sunday and Wednesday night, I talked about the great things God's done for us, how that'll motivate you and how it'll keep you focused and how it'll help you during times of discouragement. Interesting, Dr. Crabbe kind of picked that same spirit up with his Sunday school lesson for two weeks about how to overcome discouragement, that you faint not, that you don't get weary in well-doing, that you don't quit on the things of God. Uh, things may, what you call, have a reversal in life, or hard times may come in, but you just keep trusting God. Uh, morning's coming. The light's coming. And so Eli, however, the person that Samuel took his place, did not have a heart for God and was rejected by God in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29 to 30, uh, God said this about this man Eli. He said, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offerings, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons, or if I, may, I can say it this way, thy children, I was, he says that because he had two sons, above me, and make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel by people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I... I said indeed that in thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. In other words, Eli could have continued and his sons could have continued into the priesthood. God says, I would have kept you going there for, from now on. But you lost your heart for me. And he said, because of that, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And so God rejected Eli as being priest, raised up this young man named Samuel. Samuel did have a heart for God. So why did Eli get rejected from the priesthood? Because he didn't have a heart for God. Why did Samuel get chosen for the priesthood? Because he had a heart for God. You with me? Why did Saul, this man who Samuel anointed as king, because God said this is the guy, what did he see in Saul that he would make him king over his people because Saul, at the beginning, had a heart for God. He did. And Sam, Saul could have reigned with his family just like Eli could have reigned with his family from now on. But, but Saul fell into the same trap that Eli fell in and lost his heart for the things of God and began to disobey God's words. 
God cares about his words. He's exalted his word above his name, the Bible says. Saul did not consider the specificity. Bring that up again. I just love words myself. He did not consider the exactness of God's word as important. There are people scattered throughout Christianity and maybe in the majority now that do not seem to have a concern for the exactness of the Bible. They just care about the broad things, the bigger things, the thoughts, the paragraphs, the sentences. But no, if God is who he said he is, and I didn't say was because he is, then every word is exact and behind, and his power is behind it. Only he could do that. Only he. But Saul, example, 1 Samuel 15, 18, Saul was commanded to go out and slay all of the Amalekites which had oppressed Israel, and he didn't do it. He says, go and fight against them and consume them all. Many of you know the story. 1 Samuel 15, 22, he comes back from the war with the Amalekites. He brings the best of the animals. He brings Agag the king with him. And Samuel uh, came there, and, he, and, and uh, Saul tried to tell uh, Samuel, I, I've done the will of the Lord. He says, well, what is, that, what is that bleeding of the sheep I hear in my ear? What's the sound of these animals? Because you were told to go to the Amalekites and to slay everything that had breath. Oh, he says, we've brought, we brought back the sheep and the best ox and the best camels and, uh, for a sacrifice for our God. It sounded noble. And here's what Samuel said. Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than all these sacrifices, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Why? For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, I don't think you can use bigger, harder words than what were used right there. Nobody would want to be considered into witchcraft, and nobody would want to be considered having iniquity like this or idolatry. He says, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he, or God, hath also rejected thee from being king. Here Saul could have had he and his whole family leading Israel, and he thought generally he was obeying God, and generally he was obeying God. But generally wasn't what God said to do. God doesn't generally want you to follow him. Generally, you know, visit church once in a while, say hi to God, leave a few dollars, and go back and do live your own life. That is not who God's hunting for. God's hunting for people that care about the specificity of his word, the exactness of his word, and want to obey God 
The exactness of God's words may not be important to many, but it's important to God. Because when you change God's word and do your own thing, it is a serious insult and affront to God when you disregard the words or lighten them up or even change them. But people that are wholehearted, 100%, all about the details, the small things, the exactness of the word of God, it demonstrates to God that their heart is 100% with him. And that's what he's looking for. Because these people are all in, they're with the program, they're in the game, they're hands to the plow Christians. So now let's go to our text. What does your heart look like this morning? 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 12. It came to pass when they were come that he looked on, okay, let me give you the background there. Um, God says, I rejected Saul's being king, and I, I, I just read why and told you why. I'm going to choose another guy. So he goes to the house of Jesse, and he tells Samuel, he says, Samuel, you chose Saul. I'm going to have you choose another king. A man that will be after my own heart. Heart, not mine. A man after my own heart. And so he says, go to this man's house. Now, now this man had eight children. Eight boys. By the way, who wouldn't want this? Eight boys. Wow, eight boys. It don't get better than that now. Eight boys. No offense, girls, but eight boys. That's eight households. Wow. So he goes, Samuel goes to the house. The first guy comes up, the oldest one, Eliab. And, 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 and when... When Samuel sees Eliab, he goes, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, This is 1 Samuel 16, 7, Look not on his countenance or the height of his stature, because probably was a big tall guy, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Now that's a principle. And that's deep theology there. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. We learn a lot about man from that verse, and we learn a lot about God from that verse. And in verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse had Shammah pass before, neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And that's all the sons. That was seven. That was it. There was only seven there. And so Samuel said to Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, well, there remaineth yet the youngest. But behold, he's, he keepeth the sheep. So what does that tell you? When, when Jesse heard that Samuel was coming to the house and he was going to have something very important to do, I don't know how much detail he was in, in on, but he wanted to meet your sons, right? Jesse said, okay, uh, 
seven of them, he didn't even include David. He said, David, by the way, while this is going on, you take care of the sheep, manage that whole thing, uh, the, the other, your other brothers. So he, even in his dad's eyes, he, he wasn't potential. He, he wasn't a potential for whatever Samuel was going to do. That's what that tells me. But he leaves him out there taking care of the sheep, which is maybe not, you know, a high-level job. But he keepeth the sheep. So Samuel said unto Jesse, send him, send him and fetch him. He was southern boy. Fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. No one can fool God. Men look on the outward appearance, the impression of the persona, the words that people speak, the sound of their voice, charisma. But we cannot look on the heart. I cannot see anybody's heart. In fact, the Bible says in uh, Jeremiah, I believe 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? I really cannot really know fully my own heart. It's just deceitful above all things. But God can know it and does know it. And what does your heart look like this morning to God? Are you partially in, half in, kind of in? Do you go through the motions of being a Christian? Do you smell like a Christian? Maybe walk like one, carry your Bible like one, speak like one. But really... Truthfully, your heart's not with God. What do you do in your spare time? In your life, have you worked in the time to read your Bible? Well, I'm busy, preacher. Depends on where your heart's at. If your heart's with God, your Bible reading is not going to be any problem at all. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? Listen to the Spirit. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches this morning. If your heart's with God, you got no time, you got no trouble working your Bible reading in. If your heart's with God, you have a desire to memorize his memorize the word of God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. Who wrote that? The same guy. The Samuel picked. This guy has a heart for me. That's what God said. When somebody's got a heart for God, they're 100%. They're all in. They're eager. They're on it. Their hands, their hands to the plow, brother. They don't mind reading a book. They want to read it. They memorize these words. They tell others about him. You don't have to beat them up. In, in many cases of wholehearted person, you can't stop them from shutting up. They carry tracks around in their pocket, and they want to move. Wherever they go, they want somebody to read it. They leave them in bathrooms. They leave them in clothing articles. They leave them in uh, uh, 
the things in the store, they, they, they move around. Every time they pay for something, they'll give a track. They leave it in the gas pump. They move it around. What makes people do that? I'm, I'm telling you what makes people do that. They have a heart for God. They want it. They love him. They're with him. They talk to God all the time. He's on their mind. They even allow him to choose their occupation in life. They're talking to younger people now. When I was 18 years old and I gave my heart to Lord Jesus Christ, 100%, really, I meant it, with all my heart. I said, God, what do you want me to do? Now, I, up to that time, had plans had everything set up for me. Man, I mean, I had a life set up for me. My parents had a real estate office in Michigan. They had a real estate office in Indiana. They wanted to leave me the businesses, wanted me to get in, and just, you know, carry it on, go right on. I had to tell my mom and dad, that's not God's plan for me. God wants me to go to this thing, a place called Bob Jones University. At that time, that was like West Point. They told you when to get up, when to go to bed. They told you how to dress. They told you how to walk, how to talk, how to brush your teeth, how to put deodorant on. They told you how to make your bed. They told you how to clean the sink. They told you how to sweep the floor. They told you everything about everything. I didn't have any trouble at Bob Jones. There were guys there that were chafing, struggling, getting kicked out. Man, I loved it. Why? My heart was whole. Total. You could have told me to crawl on my belly like a lizard, and I'd have said, I'll do it. Happy, where, how far do you want me to go? Why? I didn't question whether they were right. I knew that's where God wanted me to be, and whatever they had to dish out to me, that was from God. Because my heart was there. I saw people there that their heart wasn't there, their heart wasn't total. Now, I'm not saying their heart wasn't 60% there or 80% there, but, and I think there is degrees of that. But they struggled with the rules. And I'm like, what? What do you struggle with rules? What's the problem with rules? Rules are no problem at all. They're guides to help you. They told me how I was to dress. I was to wear a tie till noon. It was hot in Greenville. Trust me, it gets hot up there. And by the way, they put the boys' dormitory all the way across campus from the kitchen. I didn't like that. They put the girls real close to the kitchen. I thought them girls had been eating too much anyway. We had to run halfway across the kitchen, three quarters of the way across campus, sweating. I'd get to the dining commons soaking wet in a nice dressed up shirt and a sport. I didn't wear a sport coat to supper. You people miss the zenith of that school. They don't do that anymore. But we, we had sport coats. For supper. Yeah. No problem with any of that. No problem at all. If a person's heart's with God, he'll he'll choose their occupation. When God called me to be in the ministry, I looked at I, I, I asked him, I said, Lord, you know, a plumber, I'd love to be an electrician or a lawyer, a carpenter, a floor man, construction guy, office person, anything, but not a preacher. He said, No. That's where I want you to be. Preacher. He said, do it. I said, okay, I'll do it. That was the way David was. That's what God saw with David. And by the way, since I got right with God, I started praying a prayer. Let me be like David. I think this is great to pray. 
Let me be like David. Let me have the heart of this man. Let me have whatever you saw in David that made you happy. Let me have that same thing. What, that's, not a, that's a good prayer, right? It's to God. Maker of all that is. God, I want a heart like David. Then I started praying, I want, to, I want to be called the friend of God like Abraham. Please let me be called your friend. That's my friend, Abraham. I want him to look at Bill and say, oh, Bill, he's my friend. God says, that's my friend, a friend of God. Oh, let me have the boldness of a Paul the Apostle. Let me have the kind of boldness that will walk right into the fray of things and take what whipping is dished out to me and instead of getting bitter, sing in midnight the glory of God and the praise of God and see the old Philip, 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 Philippian jailer, Philippine, I was going to do the Brother Moon thing, Brother Philip, Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Let me have the tender heart of a John that was called the apostle of love. I go through the Bible and look at these characters that God has given us to look at, and he said, these are the people I want you to look at. And, and then I go in there and I say, whatever happens, don't let me be like Esau. Don't let me. Don't See, Esau, what was Esau's trouble? He had no heart for God. He had a heart for what? His belly the flesh, the things of this world. And when he came in, he hadn't eaten in a while. Now, by the way, I got no sympathy for people that haven't eaten. We hear gospel fasted seven days over and over again, seven days just on water, seven days, 24-hour days, water only. You can do it. You will not die. Oh, you can ask Doc. You better see him first. But you want to die, you maybe want to die that first couple of days, but, but actually, believe it or not, your body goes into some sort of a changes its metabolism mode, and really pretty soon you don't need to eat. Glory to God, hallelujah. Wasn't even hungry. Do you have a heart for God? Let me tell you, you'll wish you would have had a heart for God when you see him. You really will. Or are you people without a heart for God, they stand back as judges and critics of his work. They stand back and say, well, now that isn't quite the way it ought to be, and that needs to be, and, and that is preaching, and that's, a, and, and they, and they, 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 like the Bible said, the foolish woman teareth her house down with her own hands. People that don't have a heart for God can't see the good because their heart's not in it and they'll want to just tear the thing down. And when it falls down and crumbles and crashes, they'll go to the next place and do the same thing. But people with a heart for God overlook normal problems, you know. They'll overlook it. They'll say, hey, all right, it's, we, you know, it's all right. We're going to keep going by the grace of God. We'll do right. You have a heart for God? If you have a heart for God, you want to please God. If he calls you to be a plumber, you'll be the greatest plumber there ever was. If he calls you to be an electrician, you'll be the greatest electrician there ever was. 
But you really won't be an electrician. You'll be a Christian first. You'll be a born-again believer first. You'll be an obedient Christian first. You'll be a Bible reader first. You'll be a memorizer of Scripture first. You'll be a lover of God first. You'll be, you'll be one that talks to God first. And all those other things will come first, and then you'll do electri electrical work. You'll know the black goes on the black, the white goes on the white, and the green goes on the green. So you got to know to be electrician. Now, you know, I just insulted all the electricians out there. I know it's a lot more complicated than that. Trust me. Well, here's how smart I am. I was about 12 years old. I took the two wires and put them, holding the wire, and put them in a socket. If it wouldn't have been my dad pushed me back, I'd have probably never made it past then. You know, the, the dumb die. And I thought, well, I wonder what that would do for you. Don't try it. Don't try it. Don't do it. <laughs> but if, 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 you're, if you want to please God, you, whatever occupation you get, you'll do it with all your heart. Amen. Whatsoever you do, the Bible says, do heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto man. There is no bad job. There is no dishonorable job. There is no, oh, he's, he, he's just this or he's just that. I feel so sorry for him. Brother, if that guy, if that person's doing the will of God or she's doing the will of God, that's, he's, he's a king on his throne. I tell you, these bus drivers, don't feel sorry for these bus drivers. These bus drivers that get up early and come in at 8 o'clock and meet with us a little bit and go out in that old sweaty hot bus. You think it's hot in your car. Take air conditioning out. Put about 20 kids in there see what it feels like. The humidity goes up to 110%. And they get on there and they go in these neighborhoods up and down these roads and they pick up boys and girls so they can hear the word of God and understand there's a better way and, and give them a chance at least to choose Jesus. And, and uh, they do that week after week, by the way. And then when church is over, they don't get to go out to, uh, you know, uh, Holo Tropical or Ted Montana's or Culver's and have a nice little uh, lunchtime with somebody they like or somebody they don't like. They're on the bus taking those kids home for an hour. And about 1.30, 2 o'clock, they arrive back here at the gospel. And there's not many people here at 1.30, 2 o'clock, trust me. They run and park their buses, put all the windows up, shut the door, lock it. And then they go home, but there's nobody to eat with at that point. They go home and they have to eat with their wife. Oh, it's boring. They get to, they, let me tell you what, don't, don't you ever feel sorry for them. When they get in that bus and get behind that wheel, they're like a king on his throne, man. Doing the will of God is the best place you'll ever be. See, a person with a heart for God loves to do the will of God. That tells you whether your heart's for God or not. Examine yourself this morning. The Bible says prove yourself. See if you're in the faith. See how you're doing. You work for God. People that have a heart for God, they're the one. You need to help preacher. Preacher, we're going to do VBS. We're there. 
We want to do that. We're there. We want to go to Fort July Parade. We're there. We want to help and decorate the bus. We're there. We want to do that. We're there. They're, they're just, you have to turn them down. You have to say, stop. No. We don't need you, brother. We're good. We don't need your sister. We're good. We got it. We got it taken care of. People have a heart for God. Love to help others get to God. People have a heart for God. Encourage God's people. They're the ones running around like Barnabas going, hey, God bless you. We're going to heaven just passing through. We're doing good. The Lord's for us. If God be for you, who can be against you? They're, they're like Jim McCullum. I, and many of you didn't know him. It's too bad. It's, he's already been in heaven so long. But Jim McCullum was an encourager for God. Oh, my, 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 he encouraged, he encouraged, his heart was total. Jim was wealthy, wealthy. He retired at 42 years old because he didn't need to work anymore. I don't know too many people do that. Jim McCullum had what I call the Midas touch. If he bought a piece of land, I-75 went right by it. It happened. And he's had, he owned two corners on I-75. Wow. He was the first one that built, he built uh, a bunch of garages. That's what I call them. He built a bunch of garages here in the city of Bonita. Uh, we call them storage today, but that was way before anybody knew about storage. I said, nobody will use them. What were you doing? He's just building garage doors, one right after the other. Garage door, garage door, garage door, garage door, garage door. I said, Jim, what a waste. Nobody will ever rent them. But Jim would tell me, that's not what I live for. I'm a bus captain. Glory to God. I'm a bus captain. I'm a soul winner. He said, I want to be known to be a, I want to be known as a soul winner and a bus captain and a lover of God's people. Wow, that's a man that's 100% in. He loved God. It was not cold, dead service. He didn't have to go to church. Man, he couldn't wait till church happened. It was alive. It was breathing. It was real. The question I ask you this morning is, what does your heart look like to God? I can't see it. You can't completely know it. But from what you've heard this morning, on the, on the story of Saul and Samuel, what do you think your heart is like to God? Father, help us this morning to be able to examine ourselves. The Bible says to do it. Examine yourself. Why not? We examine ourselves every other area of life. You get examined over and over and over again. I think as Christians, once in a while, we need to take stock of who and what we are. I believe you led me to do this this morning. I don't know for whom but I'm sure that they know. Father, we pray that the Spirit of God would apply this as you see fit. Father, we just pray that you'd not go through this life with, with, with so great a salvation. That's what the Bible calls it, uh, Hebrews 6, so great salvation. What in the world will happen to folks who carelessly flippantly handle so great salvation. God help us to be everything, to be all in, to have our hands on the plow and not look back. 
And help us to end that way, Father. Help us to be encouragers in every direction we go because we know these things are so. Father, there may be some here without Christ this morning. They've heard the gospel. They understand it. They know that they're a sinner unable to save themselves and cannot be saved by any amount of good works because your salvation was way too expensive and could not be earned by works. But it had to be paid for by Jesus himself coming and dying for you on Calvary. Shedding his precious blood and not for his sin, but for your sin, my sin. The third day being resurrected is a seal of all the people out there who said, I'm the Christ. Jesus was sealed by the resurrection as the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you believe that, why don't you let us talk to you about being saved? Trust in Christ, your personal Savior. The Bible says, many has received him to give you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe in his name. Why don't you say yes to Jesus today? We're here for you. We have a little invitation time. Either then or after, one way or another, let's see somebody and say, I'd like to talk to somebody about being saved. We'd love to talk to you. You may be here as a Christian. This is personal, I know. Maybe God's doing some work in your heart even now. All I can tell you, there's no better life to live than all-in life. The all-in life, the total life's the best life. Sometimes I meet Christians that, that almost seem like they're sorry about being a Christian. That's because they've just never gotten all-in. What a miserable ride it is to be partially in. Father, we pray that you'd help them see it. You'd anoint us now in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.